Hello and welcome to the So What podcast, in which political economic analyst J.P. Landman discusses the issues uppermost in the minds of South Africans. You can find a written version of this content on J.P.'s website, jplandman.co.za. I am Ruda Landman and I am your host. These first few recordings were done at our dining room table, but we will soon be moving into a studio. Hello, and as always, a very warm welcome to this conversation, which accompanies JP's latest newsletter. This one is dated the 14th of August, 2023, and it's titled Coalition's Important Shifts. JP, you wrote about the coalitions for the first time in May, but you say that three developments have happened since then. Tell me about that. Yes, absolutely. Since uh, since May, the three important uh, uh, developments or shifts. The first is that on the 11th, 11th of July, the Incatum Freedom Party and the DA uh, signed an agreement to cooperate in coalitions at the local government level in the province of Pozulu-Natal. It's a, it's a unique agreement in the sense that it's fairly detailed. and It spells out uh, 13 commitments that the parties make and 15 priorities that they set for those municipalities where they will come into power. The 13 commitments are very interesting. There's the normal stuff of commitment to the rule of law and so on, but they're also interesting new noises or new approaches. Uh, for example, they say that there will be a strict separation of party and state. All appointments will be merit-based. And then, you know, the normal thing which everybody says nowadays, corruption will be eradicated and opposed, and there will be a non-negotiable commitment to the rule of law and constitutionalism. But I think it is important in coalition politics that you that you set out what the values are on which you base your coalition, and that you have to agree on those values, and that they've done in their agreement. But then they go a step further beyond the commitments and they list 15 priority areas where they will work in municipalities where they capture the power. Now, again, there are obvious things like water, uh, waste management, sewerage, uh, public transport and so on. But there are also more unusual items. For example, there's a very clear commitment to spend 8% of the value of municipal assets on maintenance. Now, this, this, is, this is breaking new ground as far as local government levels go. We all know that maintenance is a huge problem. And this kind of commitment is essentially the thing that addresses that, uh, that deficit. There's also um, a clear commitment to review organograms of all municipalities, to review staff complements, uh, and reviewing salary scales downwards before filling vacant posts. So that is addressing another big problem that we have at local government, and that is that salaries and wages just gobble up all the available money. So the fact that the DA and the IFP came to these agreements in respect of KwaZulu-Natal, I think is, is quite an important step. Basically, it, it meets the test that we articulated in May. What we have to do in, in coalition politics in South Africa uh, is to focus not on who will govern, but how we will govern. Those letters need to be switched around. This agreement between the IFP and the DA takes us very far on the road to how uh, government will take place instead of who. 
When or how will this be put into practice? Well, currently the IFP and DA are controlling 13 local governments in KwaZulu-Natal. So it has already started. The second development that you refer to? The second development happened at the end of July, the last weekend in July, when the ANC Veterans League had the national national conference, which was attended by some 460 delegates uh, from branches from all nine provinces. So the Veterans League have really, in the last while, established themselves by by setting up branches. Now, to be a veteran of the ANC, you uh, must be over 60 years of age, and you must have served the organization for 40 years uninterruptedly. So it's quite a it's quite a, a test. They had a national conference. Uh, the president went there. He called the the Veterans League the lodestar of the ANC. But what is very important is that they stated that. A coalition between ANC and EFF is an unethical coalition. Now, those are very strong words to use. And for a a senior body like that to say that explicitly and that uh, unambiguously, I think was also quite a strong development. Since we've written this note in the last week, Fakili Mabalula, the Secretary General of the ANC, was asked about this decision by the Veterans League Conference. And what is very interesting is he handled it very diplomatically, something for which uh, he is not known. And he just said, you know, it's the view of the Veterans League and the views of all parts of the ANC will be taken into consideration. But he did not denounce the statement by the Veterans League that the coalition between the ANC and the EFF is unethical. So clearly it tells you that uh, there's, there's movement, there's fluidity. The third development took place in the first weekend in August, I think it was 4 and 5 August, when Deputy President Mashetile, Paul Mashetile, convened a conference on coalitions on the campus of the University of the Western Cape. And there a very interesting thing happened. Again, Fikilim Balula made a speech and he left, he not only left the door open, he specifically said, that the ANC could go into a grand coalition with the DA on local government level. He emphasized that afterwards in meetings with journalists, that he was talking about local government, not about national government. But the fact remains, the door has been opened. So if you put all these developments together that has taken place in July and August, then I think we have seen considerable movement in the body politic towards what I called in May a grand coalition of the uh, of the ANC and the DA. At the UWC meeting, it was also quite clear that the largest parties agree on a minimum threshold before a party can be represented, represented in local, provincial, national government. Do you see that happening? Yes, it's a, you're quite right. There was clearly agreement between the two biggest parties and, of course, the civilist opposition from all the smaller parties. I think that's very predictable. Now, nobody, neither the ANC nor the DA, put any numbers on the table at the Western Cape Conference. But earlier in the year, the ANC signaled that they would be in favor of a 1% threshold. The DA signaled that they would be in favor of a 3% threshold. So the number will, if it happens, it will land somewhere between 1% and possibly 2% thereabouts. Now, a 1% threshold would have an interesting impact. It will eliminate 8 of the 14 parties that we currently have in Parliament, uh, more than half. 
It will eliminate in the Johannesburg Metro nine of the 18 parties currently sitting in the Metro. In Swane, it will eliminate a whopping 10 of 15 parties, and in Nelson Mandela Bay, 5 of 13 parties. So you can clearly see small parties representing a, a really small minority of the voters are really influential because there's so many of them. And that is what the reaction is against, also from the public, and that is what the DA and ANC are trying to address. Now, of course, the ANC and the DA, being the two biggest parties, will benefit from such an arrangement. And they argue that it will enhance stability, which it probably will, and it will reduce horse trading, which it probably will. Uh, the smaller parties, again, argue that it is inherently undemocratic and you're doing something which is not in line with the wishes of the voters, and you deprive the voters of choice. And they're also correct. So there are strong arguments on, 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 on both sides of this uh, threshold decision. Now, it's quite interesting to see what's happening elsewhere. Internationally, thresholds vary between 0.67, two-thirds of 1% in the Netherlands, to as high as 6% in Moldova. The most common threshold is 5%, and one finds that in countries like Germany, New Zealand, Poland, and Hungary. Denmark has a threshold of 2%, while the threshold in Sweden and Norway, uh, Norway are sitting at 4%. So you're talking old established democracies here. Scandinavian countries are hardly, uh, are hardly countries with immature democracies, and they have 2%, 4%, and 5% thresholds. So there is an international precedent for this. However, the question that one must ask is, if you apply the 1% threshold in South Africa, parties like uh, the African Christian Democratic Party and Al-Jamaa will be eliminated from parliament. Do you really want to force these people to go extra-parliamentary? I mean, that's, that's the, what the consequence of a 1% threshold decision would be. Do you think that would happen? Or well, would if, they simply be, their voters be absorbed in the bigger parties? They have people who support them. Uh, if their voters do not want to vote for other parties, then they are still there. They're still around. But by denying them access to the, to, to the legislature or to the town council, you actually force them to go, to go outside politics. And I don't think that's a, that's a wise idea. Can it happen in time for the 2024 election? No, probably not. No, definitely not. We've got, uh, it's now August, uh, the election will probably be in May. If it is postponed for three months, that will take it to August, 12 months from now. It will be very hard to get legislation through Parliament in 12 months. Uh, Parliament just doesn't move that quickly. Um, so, no, I don't think, I don't think it, it'll happen. In any case, even if it does happen, the legislation will be challenged in the Constitutional Court. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Does our Constitution say anything about <laughs> Yes, this? it does. In Section 46 of the Constitution, it says that an electoral system must, in general, result in proportional representation. Now, what does in general mean? Is 1%, does that satisfy the in general requirement or 3%? Does it satisfy that requirement? That is something on which the Constitutional Court will have to pronounce and obviously they'll have to consider it carefully. So no, I think the the parliamentary agenda, the parliamentary timetable, as well as constitutional challenges can make us fairly certain that it will not happen, that there will not be legislation on the, on the statute before next year's uh, parliamentary elections. 
You um, published this note on the 14th of August, but because of circumstance, uh, we are only recording this conversation on the 21st. The Moonshot-backed convention has now happened. Thoughts? Yeah, it happened on 16 and 17 of August. Um, for the parties participating, uh, it was a huge success. They, they proclaimed it as such. Seven parties. Uh, seven parties in total. From my point of view, I think there were some encouraging signs. The parties accepted the principle that your representation in a government, coalition government, is based on the votes that you got. So there's a, there's a clear relationship. If you got 60% of the votes, then you will have 60% of the government. If you got 30% of the vote, you'll get 30% of the government. Until now, that was there, there was a lot of toing and throwing about that. So having a having developed a consensus about that. I think is, is, is quite a good thing. The fundamental problem remains how these seven parties will get to 50% plus one. That is really the issue. Uh, if you take the current parliament, which I think one must accept is, is, is no longer representative, but if you take the current parliament, uh, their total vote uh, come to less than 30% of those seven parties. Only three of those seven parties are sitting in parliament. The other four are outside parliament. So they must still prove that they can actually get votes. You know, we tend to forget that. We focus on the seven and not on, on, on the three that, that have already uh, made it into parliament. But I think it's fair to say that the ANC will, will get less votes than what they got in the present parliament. They currently, in the present parliament, have 57.5% of the vote. Their share will probably drop below 57.5%. Um, so uh, will the other parties then pick that up? Where will it go? I, I can't see the current seven parties going much higher than 35%. Uh, not on current poll data as we have it now. Obviously, anything can happen in the next nine to 12 months. But I can't see them going much, much higher than 35%. Now, if you want to take over the government, you need 50% plus one. And that's, that's really the basic problem that faces the Moonshot Coalition. In May, you said that the most probable outcome would be that the ANC gets high 40s and that they can then go into coalition with the IFP to, which will take them over 50. Is yes. that still your view? Yes, I, I still think that's a possibility, but uh, what has developed since then is this agreement between the DA and IFP mm. on the local government level. And one must now ask the question, if you are a formal coalition partner in one province on the local government level, can you in the national government go into coalition with somebody else? That strikes me as a bit messy. And that struck me as, as, as a bit sending confused signals to the electorate. So <clears throat> I'm not so sure that that is uh, as, as obvious as it was in May. In May, I think it was quite clear that the ANC would prefer to take the IFP. Uh, I've never shared the view that they will go to the EFF, which was in May the dominant theme from the chattering classes. I just don't think, uh, I didn't think it then, and, and uh, I still don't think so. I think... Events have shown to us that there's a lot of opposition to ANC-EFF coalition. So I'm not sure that they will necessarily get the cooperation of the IFP. And then the question is what, what else they will do. But as I said in May, it, you know, it all depends on the numbers. If you get 47, 48%, well, then 2 or 3% are enough to get you over the line. If you get towards 40%, well, then it becomes much more difficult. 
and then the idea of a grand coalition certainly uh, certainly comes to the fore much more strongly. But then the grand coalition would, following your logic, would have to include all three of those parties, the uh, ANC, the DA and the um, IFP, because yeah. the, the, what you said now about working with the IFP going into coalition, or the other way around actually, the IFP going into a coalition with the ANC at national level, the same holds true for the DA. Uh, absolutely. Yes, and I think you're right. I think the, the NC would also like to have the protection, if you want, uh, of the IFP uh, in the in, in a national, in a grand coalition. They don't want to be exposed, have exposed flanks to the EF, EFF who can then, uh, EFF and other parties who can then attack them. So it is quite possible that it goes that way, but, um, you know, it's a year it's away. It's early days. It's very, very early days. Very early days. Just in in, um, in almost theoretical terms, the German ambassador was a guest speaker at the UWC conference, mm. and he made interesting points about how coalitions work best. Yes. So the German ambassador made a speech and he relayed lessons that the Germans have learned of coalitions. Now, you must remember the, the Germans have had coalitions for very, very long time, many decades. Uh, and not just on the national level, but also in the Landen, in the provinces. So they know about coalitions. And the ambassador shared that with the conference. And I think a couple of them were very important. He said uh, coalitions is about the politics of inclusion, not exclusion. And I think that's a very important point for us in South Africa. We tend to emphasize who we will not work with, not who we will work with. Uh, so that's, that, that's a strong point. Coalition is the art of negotiation, not the art of war. It sounds absolutely uh, trite, but a lot of people don't practice that. Again, in our country, we like to go to war and use war-like language instead of negotiating. Issues first, appointments later. In other words, uh, how, not who. Issues first, how, not appointments, who. That was an important message from him. And then concrete policies must be agreed on in advance. Now, that's exactly what the IFP and the DA agreed in respect of KwaZulu-Natal local government authorities a concrete program of action, concrete policies that they will pursue. And then, of course, trust is absolutely critical. And for that, you need transparency and openness. And again, that is where, that is where we can learn from the Germans. Another interesting point about Germany, Ruda, is that after the last elections, when uh, Chancellor Schulz eventually became the Chancellor, the elections were held in September. The government only took office and Chancellor Schulz was only... Uh, inaugurated. inaugurated in December. So there was a long time lag between the elections when the results were known almost immediately and actually taking office. So what happened in that long time lag? The parties negotiated agreements on how they are going to govern. Exactly the kind of thing that we saw with, uh, in respect of course in the Natal local government. So, so in the South Africa, our constitution at the moment only allows 14 days. 14 days after the election has been certified by the Independent Electoral Commission, Parliament must meet, and at its first meeting, it must elect a president. The Constitution is quite clear on that. So we've given, we've given ourselves 14 days, or we have 14 days in terms of our Constitution, while the Germans have taken a couple of months to, to form a government. So that's something that we will have to also keep in mind as we approach the, the possibility 
not the inevitability, but the possibility of a, of a coalition government at national level. Can I just make one more point about uh, coalition forming? You know, I think it's quite clear that the majority of South Africans are not radical. Uh, we see that from opinion polls, but we also see it from, we also saw it in the 2021 uh, July unrest. And we've seen it in various areas of our national life. Yes, there are people who do violent things and do radical things and so on. But when, when the tire hits the tar, uh, South Africans are in the middle of the road lot. Now that implies that large numbers of political party supporters are also middle of the road people. And the logical conclusion that a number of ANC supporters are also middle of the road people. And therefore, I think the German message of uh, coalitions about, is about inclusion, not exclusion, is an extremely relevant and important one. Uh, bring together those people that can reinforce the democratic model. It doesn't really matter in which parties they sit. And they sit in most parties, not all parties, but in most parties. Bring them together. And that is the that is the message that we must take from opinion polls and other data that tells us that South Africans are not really a, a radical bunch. Many people worry. Um, they are afraid. They have a fear that the junior partner in a coalition will be swapped and in the next election just wiped out. Especially, I think, DA supporters fear that. Is yeah. it legitimate? Well, as, as, as one DA supporter said to me, the DA will be dragged down by the ANC. And I think that sentiment is, is fairly widespread. Yes, I think it is legitimate. We saw it happening in the United Kingdom when the Liberals went into a coalition with the Tories and in a subsequent election, the Tories triumphed and the Liberals were wiped out. The counterexample uh, you find on the continent of Europe, Germany, for example, where there are small parties like the Free Democrats who regularly uh, fall below the 5% threshold, then they fall out of Parliament. Next election, they come back and they're above 5%, so they represent it. And then they normally, not always, but quite often form part of some ruling coalition. Yet they remain, they, they retain. They remain independent and they retain an independent identity and, and, and progr political program and so on. So I think what one must learn from that is to be very clear on what you will agree to and what you won't agree to. What are fundamental commitments or values that you as a party have on which you are prepared to negotiate and which not? And again, that is where the uh, KZN agreement between the DA and the IFP for me is so interesting. There are clear commitments and there are clear priorities. That's the kind of model we need. The uh, Liberals never negotiated that kind of agreement, as far as I know, in the UK. So it's all about your identity and sticking with your identity, irrespective of how big or small you are. So I think that is something that can be that can be overcome. Uh, we the whole of Europe is run by coalitions, and there you've got big and small parties, and they all face with the same problem. And the small parties survive; they don't disappear. So now I think it's just a new style of politics that we must get used to. In summary, so what? Well, the, for me, the most important so what is that the free developments since uh, May indicate to me that the ground is shifting as far as coalitions go. Three months ago in May, or a couple of months ago in May, beginning of the year, there was a sort of a consensus among the commentariat that there will be an ANC-EFF coalition, and that is it. 
I don't think any of those people will now take such certain views or positions on, 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 on the coalition issue. The ground has shifted quite substantially. And what is happening in that shifting of the ground is that the parties of the middle has got an opportunity to get together and to form a grand coalition of the middle, strengthening the democratic center. I think, I think that opportunity now is bigger than what it was in May and certainly much bigger than what it was in, in January. So what for the probably most pressing area, and that is local governments? The local government election is only in 2026. It's now 2023. So must we now, for the next three years, carry on with this stumbling that we have? Clearly not. So what I think is needed is an in-principle agreement for a grand coalition or a coalition between parties of the middle. And they must come together and reconstitute councils where you have this up and down all the time, of which uh, our beloved Johannesburg is a, is a classic example. And if we can get the parties of the middle to uh, take hands and join together, you can actually form very strong local governments, strong in the sense that they represent 70% and two-thirds of the voters. Then you can have administrative, administrative stability and things can go, can go forward. And that is a political agreement. You don't need legislation for that. What you need is the political world to do it and then doing the hard work of negotiating the political agreements and put them into practice. So that's the only way forward that I see for local governments is to use the three years until the next election to establish such coalitions and then they will also have an impact a year from now when we have the national election, it can have an impact on how a national, uh, a national government is formed. Can I push you on, do you think it might actually happen? That local that people in local government uh, form solid coalitions and come to this kind of agreement. Well, uh, what we what we hear from the political arena is that people in Johannesburg are saying there will be a change in government again quite soon. We've now had what was it eight mayors in eight years or something. One year similar noises from Nelson Mandela Bay. It looks as if the DA-led coalition in Tswane. Uh, is surviving in spite of attempts to, to topple it. So it does seem to me that this there as well, there's a kind of a shifting of the ground um, or a shifting of positions rather. And I, I think it's quite possible that it can develop, yes. I'm not making a prediction, but, you know, let's see what transpires over the next six months. Thank you for listening to the So What podcast. If you enjoy this content, please don't forget to leave a review and a rating, and please consider subscribing so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, tell your friends. Remember, you can find a written version of all JP's content at jplandman.co.za.